We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, how that when God created Adam and Eve, He crowned them with glory. They sinned. They lost the glory. And then Jesus came to restore the kingdom, restore the glory back to man, the honor that He was crowned with. Today in our society, we have a very complicated issues in the church. The issues are this. Every generation has different characteristics. I remember my generation, when we came into the church, oh, we changed the church drastically. Uh, the church that we, uh, we, we, uh, we inherited had a piano and an organ, <clears throat> sang out of hymn books. My generation comes along and we bring in electric guitars and drums, and it was a big disruption to the church. <clears throat> we brought in to where we, uh, remember the old uh, overhead projectors? We sang off the wall. With, and the person running the projector never paid attention. They had the words upside down and backwards. And there, I, I finally, I told the, the woman running, I said, we need to find somebody that's not going to worship so that the rest of us can worship. Because we don't need you over there worshiping and forgetting to change the slides out. <clears throat> well, she didn't think that was very spiritual. But I don't think it's very spiritual when everybody's in the church is going, blah, 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 blah. And so then we got the projectors. And uh, we brought in all kinds of things. And, and, and so things are always shifting from generation to generation. The generation that's coming into the church, and we're talking about nationwide, worldwide, not necessarily just in Ponca, but it's a generation that has compartmentalized their lives. They have their job life, they have their recreational life, they have their family life, and then they have their church life. And everyone has a compartment, and each one of them has been given a certain amount of time. And what we have found is in most churches today, if you travel around you will find that the shift has now gone to 50-minute services, 60-minute services, to where we, we get this group in, we have 30 minutes of worship, 5 or 10 minutes of an offering, 20 minutes of a message, you leave, we get the next group in. <clears throat> the church has shifted because they understand that this generation that is now coming on the scene it's very different from the generation that I was. Our generation, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We didn't get home on Wednesday night till 11, 11.30. And uh, kids went to sleep under the pews. That's fine. But now we're in a generation to where they're very time conscious and everything has a, a compartment. So how does the church deal with this new generation? How do we have moves of God? In a 50 minute period. How do we have a move of God. When there is other things that are on our schedule for the day. And so I wonder today. What is happening with the shift. Of glory in our society. How does it look. What does it look like. How does it operate today. Because when I was growing up. There are some of you that are my age. I mean 12 o'clock meant nothing to the preacher. Meant nothing. We would get out. Matter of fact, 
If we got out at 12, most of the people would say, well, that was a very boring service. God didn't do anything. That was the majority of the mindset. And, and we, got, we, we like to brag on ourselves because we'd get out at 1.30 and 2 o'clock and then that was like a badge of honor. How long did your church go Sunday morning? Well, we get out at 12. Oh, really? We didn't get out until 1.30. Hallelujah. We're patting ourselves on the back. But I wonder where the shift of glory has gone and where is it going? I'm very concerned about the church. I'm very concerned about the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles, they turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Two weeks ago, I preached this, this text. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I shared that no matter what your sufferings are, no matter what your afflictions are, their weight, which God says they have a weight to it, the glory that God will give you has more weight than our afflictions. Oh, that was dramatic, wasn't it? The weight of our glory has, has more weight than our afflictions and than our troubles and trials do. Now look at verses 19 through 21 of Romans chapter 8. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Adam's sin. Chaos was brought upon creation, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Yes. When I grew up in church, here's what I experienced. <clears throat> People would come to church, they would sing, they would shout, they would praise God. They, they would always have a great time. But when they left church, they got really quiet. It's like the church is hiding out inside the church. I mean, we were, we were very righteous and holy and, and brave and all those things in the church. But outside the church, most people didn't even know if you were a Christian or not. We didn't talk about it at work. We didn't talk. And I grew up wondering, why is the church hiding out in the church? It's like we got together and huddled together. But when we broke and ready to go out and play the game, we all sat on the sidelines. I believe that God wants us to have a glory upon us that affects us and affects everybody around us. Everybody around us. And I found that the church was in a defensive mode. Oh, we got to hold on. We, we don't want to mess up. We got to make it till Jesus comes so we, we, we're saved. That's not biblical. The Bible says that we are to be on the offense and to destroy the gates of hell. We're to go out and destroy the kingdom of the enemy and set up the kingdom of God. And I've heard that Jesus is coming all my life, haven't you? Yet here we are. I remember preachers coming to our church that had the Revelation timeline. Did they do that here in Pompa? They had it spread out from this side of the platform to that side of the platform. And they would tell us, here we are, right here. And within a year, Jesus is coming. Or within two years, or could you? I believe Jesus will come today. But I've also found that all those Revelation lines and all the predictions and all, all the people who are being prophets and stuff, they have never gotten it right yet. They're not going to get it right until they say, we don't know. We don't know. God says at the right time, Jesus doesn't even know, but I'll tell him when. Go get the bride. And so today, we are so, 
So to set up and to preach the kingdom of God now. Because when I got saved, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Well, don't mess up. Don't mess up. But I found that there's a salvation is for living here. The Bible is for here. We won't need the Bible in heaven. The Bible is for here. And so what are we supposed to do? We are to restore the kingdom. The church is often presented as a lifestyle of doing. Well, if you pray, if you read your Bible, if you go to church, if you tithe, if you don't mess up, it's all about you doing. But that is not the Bible. The Bible is not about doing. The Bible is about being and becoming. I am a child of God. I am not a child of God because of what I do. But as a child of God, it causes me to do what I do. So I'm not doing the work. The work has already been done in Christ Jesus. And so we have to understand that we are the children of God. We are not beggars. We are lenders. And see, we've gotten this all messed up. The enemy's gotten our finances. and got, Listen, I, I get so angry at this. The, the same thing happened in Farmington, New Mexico. I see the same thing here, and it just gets me every time I drive by. But it makes me spiritually upset. I want to turn over tables when I see the casinos have more money than the church. The enemy is stealing everything from the church. I mean, he steals our worship. And so we try to bring it back in, then some of the Christians go, oh... We don't want all that. Read the book of Psalms. Read the Old Testament. God had every instrument that was known to man, and He had them playing it as loud as they could play it. Read it. I mean, He loves loud worship. So I said, Well, it's too loud in church. You're going to have a real hard time in heaven. Because every surface in heaven is hard. Gold, jasper, pearl. Can you imagine the reverberations of somebody saying, Holy! It's going to bounce off for generations. He likes loud. He's always saying, Shout! When he wants victory, Shout! And then he tells us, Be quiet. Everything the church is supposed to be the enemy has told us it's not this way to do the opposite. So the enemy's told us, here's what's all you have to do to be a Christian. And the Bible says all you have to do is ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. That's all you do. And then you are, then you are becoming. I am a child of God. I need to be a child of God. I am highly favored. I'm the apple of His eye. He loves me. I'm not a theologian, but I've spent a lot of time in theology. Theologists will ask questions like this. Well, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Did God just go, oh, wait. Forgot. Is God male or female? What was before God? You ask all these crazy questions. And I think that we need to focus on the things we do know. Focus on the answers. Adam sinned. 
God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the second Adam so that He could be spirit instead of flesh. And He came to restore the glory back to the church, back to us, so that He would no longer dwell in temples and tabernacles, but He would dwell in us. I believe today the church should have the best of everything. We should have the best music, the best musicians, the best finances. We should have all of the influence in town, but the enemy has stolen it. I believe that we are the head and not the tail. When I was growing up, you could always find an Assembly of God church. It was the old beat-up church by the railroad tracks. We've got to have a shift of thinking. We need a shift in the scales. The kingdom of God is righteousness, which means it's joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we should be so filled with joy and peace because that is the kingdom of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are, we are, that is a present, we are the children of God. We are, it is something that is what we are. And those who are led by the Spirit, there's a tremendous distinction. At least there should be. Between people who are led by the convictions of this world and the people who are led by the Holy Spirit. A different, total opposites. This one is led by their intuitions, by their feelings, by their emotions. These are led by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, by the truth of God. These are led by what their internal feelings are and the natural. And these are led by what God's Word says and the supernatural. So our decisions should be the opposite of each other. We're light, they're darkness. So today I'm asking, where are the children of God? That's what we need to ask the church today. The church needs to have time to wonder, where are the children of God? Led by the Spirit of God. Look at John 14, 1 and 2. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But look at verses 19 and 20 of John 14. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Total shift of thinking. No longer will you have to go to temples and tabernacles to where I'm at, but I will be in you. Now, John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, this is going to blow some of your minds today because it's a shift of thinking. But when you study those two verses, we normally use these two verses when we're talking about funerals or we're talking about heaven, that Jesus is leaving the earth to go and prepare a place for us, right? I want to tell you something that's a little different from that today, and I hope you'll, you'll bear with me. When Jesus was talking to the disciples in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, He was talking to them because He was about to go to the cross. In just a little while, I'm going to leave you physically. But there's coming a day when you will understand that I'm going to be in you. That was the day of Pentecost. Okay? 
The Word of God does tell us that right now, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So if He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, how is He also preparing a mansion for us? Because He's not preparing a mansion for us. Watch this. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, He was on the way to the cross. On the cross, His three words were what? It is finished. In my Father are many rooms, many houses, many mansions. Okay? I'm going to prepare those for you. He wasn't talking about heaven. He was talking about the cross. I'm going to the cross to secure your mansion for you. I'm going to do all of the work on the cross so that when I take my last breath, I'm going to command my spirit to leave my body. It is finished and it's going to go. But the mansions are already prepared, waiting on you. The work has already been done. Now he's interceding for us. Right now, he's praying for me. Come on, Pastor Barnwell. Preach him the word. Preach him the truth. Come on, give him something they can hold on to. He's praying for every one of you. Open your ears. Open your spirit. Open your mind. I want to speak to your heart today. Jesus went on the cross. He prepared. He took care of everything. Everything's already done. Now we're waiting for the Father to say to him, go get your bride. While he's there, he's interceding. saying, come on. I want a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I want people who are led by the Spirit. I want people who are filled with me. I and them and they and me. Together one. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. But soon we'll be together. I'm preparing this for you. Mansions, dwelling places. Jesus said, one seed must fall so that there may be what? Many seeds. I am preparing this place for you, but I do it at the cross. That's where all the work was done. Today, you and I don't have to do the work. This set me free as a young man growing up in church because I was taught that if I did the least little thing wrong, man, God was going to get me. I wasn't really taught about mercy and grace. I was taught about you have to do this and you have to do that. And here's all the list of to-dos, but here's a longer list of to-don'ts. And it was a bondage upon me. I had no freedom. I, I didn't enjoy my relationship. I went to church fearful. I went to bed fearful. And I said, God, if you're my father, why am I afraid of you? I'll never forget whenever I was laying in bed, that guy was a young teenage boy. He said, you'll never be afraid of me. I'm a good father. And I've already done the work for you. I don't want you to have to work to be my child. I just want you to be my child. I want you to enjoy this abundant life I'm giving you to the full because you are my child. Here's the benefits you get. And then I begin to look at life different. I begin to look at the church different. I begin to say, we're not supposed to be coming in here and, and hiding out. But we come in and we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We allow God to touch us and fill us and empower us so that when we leave, we're ready to go out and do the work of an evangelist. We're ready to go out and be a witness, a maturios, which in the Greek means a martyr. We're willing to be martyred, witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's okay if people make fun of us. It's okay if they reject us. That's all right. Because the weight of our suffering will, will be far outweighed by the weight of the glory God will give us. I've had people spit on me, cuss me, hate me, yell and scream in my office at me. Tell me I thought you were a preacher. Walk out. Hey, I'm not doing the work. Jesus is. Look at this, Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Then a teacher of the law came in and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was not talking about money or wealth. He had an accountant traveling with him. What he was talking about was the kingdom of God. A woman came and poured out a bottle of perfume on his feet and the disciples got upset. That's a year's worth of wages. We could have sold that and given it to the poor. Well, Jesus and them weren't the poor. So I wasn't talking about giving it to them because they had everything they needed in Christ Jesus, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Jesus said, I am nowhere to lay my head. We understand when we study the Word of God. Let me give you something else that's a powerful truth. When we study the Word of God, we understand that God is the head. The head equals authority. In this church, the government says that God is the head of this church. He is the authority of this church. We are the body. When Jesus was speaking at that point in time, he had not yet been to the cross. So his head had no body to work through. It was just the authority of Jesus Christ. Only after the day of Pentecost did the church get formed and the body of Christ began to come together. So Jesus was saying right now, I have this authority, but I have nowhere to place it upon. Birds... They have places. Everybody has places. But the authority that I have, I have nowhere to place it. But I'm going to have a place one day to place my authority, my headship, my lordship upon. We cannot be led by the Spirit unless we understand the headship of Christ. Savior, we got that. But Lord, He's Lord. He's ruler. We are His subjects. He is the head. We are the body. Now go with me to the pool. There's a man laying by the pool. The angels come down. They stir the waters. The first one in gets healed. Jesus comes to him. This man had been there for several years. He had not been healed. He said, do you want to be healed? Well, of course I do. Of course I do. Why else would I be here at the pool but I have no one to help me? In other words, he's sitting by the pool. His head sees the waters. His head says, go, but his body will not respond. Today, the head of Christ is the head of this church. He is telling us to move, to go. He says, go out and make disciples. Go out and name them and baptize them and give them salvation. Go and do this. And I wonder today if, if Jesus has got this headship in our lives, but yet sometimes there's a paralyzation going on. 
If Christ is the head of the church and we are the body of Christ, does Christ ever feel paralyzed? Is he as the authority saying, I want you to go there. I'm placing somebody in your path. I want you to be led by the Spirit to this person. I want you to be led by the Spirit to this situation. And yet the body is not moving. Can you imagine the frustration? One of the most frustrating incidences that I've seen happen to people is a massive stroke. To where their mind is clear and working, but their body just will not respond. And the thing they deal with the most is the frustration. I've been in their rooms and they just weep and cry, weep and cry, because they can't make their body do what their head's telling it to do. And I pray God today at Ponca City, may we not be part of the body that is paralyzed. But may we go out with a power and an anointing and an authority that says, hey, the glory of God has affected my life. It has changed me. I am not who I was. I've been bought with a price. I am a child of God. I have power and anointing in my life. And I want you to see it in me. I want you to watch me. Hear what I say. Watch what I do. And I want to be able to affect your life for the kingdom of God. And there was the shift of glory that happened. It shifted from the temple, the tabernacle, to us. It shifted from the priest and the priesthood to everybody. It shifted from where he has nowhere to place his authority to now my authority has a place to rest. My authority rests upon the church. And he said, that I have been given all things put under my feet. And he said, that same authority I am now placing upon the church. I believe as children of God, we have lived too many generations without a revelation of knowing the access we have to the power of God. And the power of God, how it affects my daily life. We have this powerful anointing, this powerful authority, and yet it lays dormant. Because we've, we've been taught, we come into the church and we shout and we praise God, but when we walk out, be quiet. Hey, I've been called a holy roller. I've had my friends from school come to church and i am just be the whole time as a teenager going, oh, please. Please don't let Sister Ford start. Please don't let that happen today. And how many of you know before I got that thought out of my brain, Sister Ford was going, Then I got to go to school on Monday and meet all my other friends because the other guy already got there and told him, Oh, you should have been to Dwayne's church. They're crazy over there. We are to be peculiar. Not break nuts, <laughs> but different. That's what that word means. Because we're being led by the Spirit. We're not being led by the lust of the flesh. We're not being led by our eyes or our feelings or our emotions or our intellect. 
but we're being led by the Spirit of God, which is the truth of God, which will lead us in all the right paths. That's a whole different way of living than this. <clears throat> every decision I make, everything I do, is driven by the Spirit of God. Every step I take, I take by the grace of God. My steps are ordered. The Bible tells us to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. It's like doing a dance. It's really a dance conversation to stay in step and dance with the Holy Spirit in life. I never was allowed to dance growing up. And I find it all in the Bible. Like, man, what's going on here? It's on the list of don'ts. But it's led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. I want this church, I want you to all of a sudden have a revelation in your heart and mind. The Holy Spirit just open up your mind and your eyes and your heart and your understanding and go, wow. This is awesome. God has already done all the work. I don't have to do it. That set me free. That set me free. I was raised in a performance style of Christianity. And then I was set free because I realized I don't have to do the work. It's already been done. I just enjoy the benefits. I just enjoy the benefits. I don't have to sacrifice the sacrifice has already been made. I enjoy this life. And I got to tell you, the first two years of my Christianity, I did not enjoy it. I didn't enjoy coming to church. Every time the altars were open, I came down because I thought I was going to hell. I did. Anybody, anybody feel like that sometimes? Yeah. Every time. And I said, Lord, this, I can't live on this edge all the time of being fearful if I'm going to heaven, if I'm going to hell. I got to tell you today that fear is no longer there. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life and no man can take it out. And yours is too. Can we just give God praise for that We have a lot of fear, fear preaching in the church today. We need to have a lot of faith preaching in the church today. We need to have a shift in the body of Christ that says, hey, wait a minute. All of this is supposed to be the churches. The enemy's stolen it from us, and it's time for us to go get it back. It's time for us to get it back. It's time for us to have the biggest building in town. It's time for us to have the biggest uh, digital sign in town. It's time for us to have the most money in town. And the casinos have to shrink their signs, and, and their parking lots get empty. Why? Because we're going out of here and we're destroying the kingdom of hell. It's time for the bars to get shut down. It's time for all the things the enemy uses to destroy life to start beginning to deplete so that the kingdom of God begins to grow. And I believe that's what's going to happen in Ponca. And I know you do too or you wouldn't be here. But I want you to understand there's been a shift in thinking. You've got to have that shift. You've got to understand we're not the ones who borrow. We are the ones who lend. We're not the beggars. We don't have to beg God for everything. We ask the Father that He gives to all of us liberally. We have to understand that we are the children of God. We are royalty. We are. And we've got to get our spiritual self-esteem fixed. Our spiritual self-worth fixed. 
I'm not talking about pride. Listen, God destroyed pride in my life. I could spend seven years talking about that. I thank God He destroyed my pride. I'm not prideful at all, but I know who I am. And I know who He is. And I know who I am in Him. Stand with me this morning. You've got to know this. The exciting thing that Jesus was talking about, He says, you don't understand it, pretty soon I'm going to be in you and you are going to be in me. That's what he was doing all the work for. So that he could restore the glory back to us. So that he could restore us back to our proper place as children of God. Not having to work it out. Because he already did the work. He's already finished it. It's done. Mansion's already finished. It's already done. All the little details finished. Just waiting on God to say, hey, go get them. Work's already done. And today... I want you to get this in your spirit. I want you to get it so bad. You don't have to do all the work. And the second thing is that you are an anointed child of God. Hallelujah. And you are loved beyond your comprehension. And you have been given authority beyond your wildest dreams. And that is the truth of the Word of God. And today in our society where we're compartmentalizing everything to where everything has so many minutes to get done, we've got to know truth more than ever. More than ever. More than ever. Truth. That's all I ever wanted to know was what is the truth? And I found out a lot of things I was taught as a kid wasn't the truth. And I read in the Word what the truth was. And the Holy Spirit is the illuminator. And He opens our eyes of understanding. And then He begins to reveal God to us. and just close your eyes for just a minute. You're fixing to be released back into your crazy, hectic lifestyle. And you're going to face Monday. It's going to be a Monday. But you can face it different. You can face it with a reality that you haven't had in the past. I'm the head, not the tail. Child of God, I don't eat the crumbs off the table. I sit at the table. I don't get leftovers. I'm not a stepchild. I am a child. Hallelujah. His blood courses through me. I'm redeemed. I've been justified. I'm righteous. I'm holy. 
because he is holy. But today, the church cannot be paralyzed. The head is giving us marching orders. The head is telling us, here's what you need to do this week. And we are the children of God. We must be led by the Spirit of God. Father, open this truth to us. Open our eyes to new areas of understanding. So that it can set us free from bondages and strongholds. Of maybe tradition that has taught us certain things. And that has to be the way it is. Only if it's the truth. But if it's not the truth, then help us to let go. We've seen this generation find it hard to let go of tradition. Not the truth, but the traditions. And God, I don't want to be the generation that holds on to tradition so hard that we lose the truth. I want this next generation to have the truth because it's the truth that will set them free. The truth. It's the truth that will make you realize that you have sin in your life. It's the truth that will show you God and how much He loves you. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.